Good morning, everybody. Woo! Man, you all looking some good out there. My, my, my. I think we're coming out of this thing. What do you think? I didn't come out of this thing myself. I decided I just took, took authority and come out of it. With wisdom. With wisdom. Hey, look, we just love you here. We thank you for coming. And you who are online watching from your house, your car, the backyard, maybe Walmart in the aisle by the milk. Hello. It's good to see you. Hope you have a good time. My name's Van, and I'm one of the pastors here at Northwood, and excited to share with you today. Did want to shout out, we've got a bunch of pregnant people in the house today. I don't mean that literally, although we do have a lot of pregnant ladies in the church up in here, but the Ocean Springs campus is up in the house today. We just wanted to thank you for that. Come on now. We're getting ready to give birth here, and you're going to have to go. Come on now. And that's good. That's really good. And so uh, we're excited. You know, we've been in a series now for 142 years, it seems like. And we're finishing it up, you know, uh, today about Jesus. We've talked to you about what do you believe. You know, it's important to know what you believe and then why you believe it. And then how to practically uh, live out what you believe. Come on now. I know a lot of things. I know a lot of information. You know, I know about cutting down trees, but I can't cut down trees. I've seen somebody else do it. I've got all the equipment to do it, but you don't want me doing it, especially anything near your house. And so we know a lot of things and we need to know about God. We need to know what we believe about God. And, and we learned that earlier this year about who is God and, and, and the roots of that. Then this particular part of the series, we're learning about who is Jesus. And we've learned and Pastor has taught us that Jesus is the Messiah and also that Jesus, you know, he's our high priest, and we went through that last Sunday. If you've missed any of this, it'd be good to go back and get it to be diligent on that because you'll learn a lot of things that will change the way you think about Jesus. One, one thing I learned last week, I, I guess I knew it. You know how you know some things, but then sometimes you forget you know it, and then you know it again? And that is that Jesus is our high priest, and that he was the high priest who offered the sacrifice for everybody, but he himself was the sacrifice. Go ahead and, 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 and top that, why don't you, huh? He's the priest, and he offered the sacrifice for us. Who is him? And I thought that was really great. And so today we're going to, we're not only going to learn, but for some of you, you're going to experience Jesus as king. What do you believe about Jesus? We believe he's King Jesus. And we start in Zechariah chapter 6, verse 13. That's our text that we've been using in the last several weeks, and it says this way. It is he, talking about the Messiah, the anointed one, it is he who shall build the temple of the Lord and shall bear royal honor and shall sit and rule on his throne. There's a king. And there shall be a priest on his throne, and the council of peace shall be between them both. So the vision is about the Messiah as king and priest, and in the days of, of, of Israel, there, there were two ruling factors, if you were, two leadership factors, and that was the king who sort of ruled over the, the political, the economic part of the kingdom, and then there was the priest who ministered in the religious or the spiritual side of the kingdom, and Jesus fulfilled both of those. And so he is a high priest, yes, but he is also a king. Now, a king is a sovereign 
We're going to talk more about sovereign in a little while, but it is a sovereign. In other words, it is a person who rules over a particular group of people for a particular part of time and for a particular purpose. A king. They, they, uh, they, they are in full command of everything. Now, we are Americans, and we are in the West, and we don't really understand kingship. We don't really understand somebody being over us, telling us what to do, when to do it, how to do it, taking from us what they want and giving to us what they desire. We just don't have that. We are independent people. Can anybody say amen to that? We, look, don't tell me what to do. I am an American. We are so proud. I mean, you know, and we even, we even proud about our pride. We don't understand what it means to have a king. But King Jesus will teach us about that. So, so if he is the king, and he is, then what is Jesus the king of? Let's start with that. What is Jesus the king of? Okay. Again, when we think about a king, realize he rules over people for a certain time, certain purpose, has his will he imposed, and, and it's an earthly kingdom. And when we say that, we always think about a king, you know, king author, you know, a throne and the king is up there, you know, like a Pharaoh, you know, and he says, let it be done, let it be written, let it be done. You know, we watched the Ten Commandments and Pharaoh is up there giving the rules and the regulations. And, and many people in Jesus' time, they had that same mindset. And we talked about this last week, but I want to reiterate it to you today that the people in the day of Jesus, the Jewish people, had been prophesied to about a coming king. And they were waiting for a king to come and do what kings do. And that is to set up his rule and place the people underneath that rule. They understood it because they were underneath the rule of the Roman Caesars, which were kings. And they had King Herod. They had their own kings in the Jewish faith. And so they looked for this king. I'm sure we probably would have done the same thing. A king is coming and he's going to rule over us and that's good and he's going to be a righteous king and that's what we love and that's what they were thinking that Jesus was going to do. They were thinking that the Messiah would be the king. Even the, the apostle John and James, their mother, came to Jesus one day and said, hey, Jesus, can I just talk to you? I want to know if you would do something for me. When the kingdom comes, in other words, when you take control of what's going on, can my son sit at your right hand and your left hand? Boy, doesn't that sound like a mama? They don't ever quit mommy. These boys didn't need their mama telling them that. They follow in Jesus. So they had this understanding, and we, we know that. So we're thinking about that today. We're, we, we've got these expectations, and, uh, and watch this. In, in, the, in, in the day of Jesus, there were several groups of people. There were factions of people, just like there are today. There are so many little groups of people with their own belief system and their own little thing that they do. Back then, it was the Pharisees. They were like the religious leaders, and they had the law, and they knew what was going on, and they thought that the way to bring the kingdom of God to this earth was that everyone who followed God had to be totally pure, have it all down. So, so the law of Moses wasn't enough. The Levitical law wasn't enough. They had to add about 1,858 different commands to it. How do you like to live underneath that? And Jesus even rebuked them and said, you know what? You're, you're not entering the heaven, and you won't let anybody else enter in. You've made so many rules and regulations 
that people can't get in. So the Pharisees were that way. And then there was a, another group called the Sadducees, which were like the Pharisees, except they were more kind of cozying up to the political system, to the Roman government, and they had their, their thing going on, you know, a good thing. They were blessed. They were blessed by the Lord through the Roman government. So they didn't want to rock the boat, and so they're hanging out and doing their social thing and their political thing. And then there was this group that got fed up called the Essens, and, and they, were the, they, they just decided, you know what, we're fed up with this system, so we're just going to go out in the wilderness, and we're going to live like monks, and we're going to copy Scripture, and we're going to make sure everything stays in line, and that's where we got the Dead Sea Scrolls from. But then there was this fourth group of people called the Zealots, and they were Jewish people who were waiting for the king in the same way. But what they decided was that they needed to go ahead and take command of the situation. And so they, would, they, they just basically said, you know what? We, we want the kingdom to come and we'll just shed blood if we have to. We'll just do that. We'll just kill a bunch of folk and, uh, and take over this thing. You know, we, I think we got some people like that today. We got some people that think, man, we're just going to take over this thing. All these groups of people... But then Jesus comes alone and, and he like he dashes, he just thrashes everyone. One thing I love about Jesus, he will come into a person's life or a group of people's lives and he will just mess things up real good for you. I mean, he'll just mess you up, all right? For good though. And that's what Jesus did. He came as a, a king, but for an eternal spiritual kingdom. Psalm 103 says it so well, says, the Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. The Bible says in Psalm 100 that, that the, the heaven is the Lord's throne and the earth is his footstool. In other words, we live on an ottoman. That's what we are. That, that's his footstool and that's where we are. So Jesus gets arrested and you know the story. He goes before Pilate and in John chapter 18, he establishes why he has come. It's so very important that you see that Pilate entered his headquarters again and he called Jesus and he said to him, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered him and he said this, do you say this for your own accord or did others say it to you about me? Jesus always wants to know what you think. He knows what everybody else is saying, but he wants to know who is he to you? Who is Jesus to you? And Pilate is up there saying, well, uh, you know, hey, am I Jew? He said, I'm a Roman. I don't know much about that. He said, your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered. This is how Jesus answered. I love how Jesus answers the question, and he doesn't really answer the question. He says, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. And then Pilate said to him, so you are a king? And Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Jesus was born for a purpose, and he was born to be a king. You remember when the wise men came to find Jesus, they followed the star, and they went to Herod and said, we're seeking the king of the Jews. We hear that he's been born, and so uh, it gets Herod's, King Herod's ear because he's unstable and he's also insecure. And he says, well, when you find him, tell me about him. Well, they didn't. They went a different way. They didn't tell. They came into the house. Jesus was like a toddler. They gave him the gifts. If you remember, they knelt down before him. And so Pilate said, well, they're not going to tell me. So what I'll do, I'll just kill every kid two years and below. 
And he slaughtered every child two years and below, except for Jesus, who was saved by a prophetic dream to his earthly father, Joseph, to say, get the boy out of here. Somebody wants to kill him. And so Jesus is king. He runs a different kingdom in a different way. It's a different system. He teaches us a different way, folks. The world fights with carnal weapons, physical weapons, mental weapons. The world uses a lot of what we consider to be witchcraft because we believe manipulation with intimidation in order to dominate is witchcraft. We think that controls people. Jan and I are experiencing that right now. Since we've made 65 years of age, we are being bombarded by every sort of intimidation and manipulation you can imagine. It's coming through the mail. It's coming on our phones. It's coming through texts. It's coming through Facebook posts. If you don't do this, this is going to happen. Yeah, you're getting old. Now, watch this. You need to call us. Uh, we've got your social security number. You have been selected. And if you don't, and some old people say, oh, my God, and they give them their money. It's, this system is corrupt. The whole world lies in wickedness. And Jesus comes and he says, you know what? This is not the spirit that I'm going to operate in. The spirit that is being operated in our nation, in our world today, folks, wise up. It's not from God. It's not the way God does things. He doesn't use intimidation on you. He doesn't manipulate you. And he definitely doesn't want to dominate you. You know how it is. We freely offer ourselves to the king. Well, you know, they both work, I suppose. Both these tactics bring about revolution. The thing about Jesus I love is that when he called his 12, he called Simon the Zealot. You heard what we just said about the Zealots. And then he called Matthew a tax gatherer. Wow, you talk about two people diametrically opposed to one another. Here is one guy, a Jew, working for the Roman government. And here's a guy who wants to overthrow the Roman government. And then you had the guys in between, Peter and James and John, Bartholomew and all these guys. Who knows what they thought? They were not seasoned preachers, sanctified, holy guys. As a matter of fact, they were some rough-cut dudes. They're the type of people you like to kind of run with. You know, I mean, they cut off people's ears. They want to call down you know, fire from heaven and burn up people that don't agree with them. They're all messed up. They're fighting among themselves. Uh, what they saying up there? He's always walking close to Jesus. Every time we walk down the road, he's always right there. Got his mama working for him, kind of maneuvering to get him in a position. What about me? I'm Bartholomew. Nobody ever says anything about me. I just got my name one time in the Bible. You know, that's how we... <laughs> Jesus put them together like gas and fire. And I, th I think as I look in this room, as I, and, and I can't look online, but if I could see you in your living room or in your car right now, come on, sit back down on the couch. <laughs> We're so different. This is a miracle that we can all stand together, lift our hands and our voices and open up our heart to our king all together. We're so diverse in here that if it wasn't for Christ, it would be WWE night in the place, isn't it? And so Jesus, he talked about the kingdom. He talked about it all the time. The kingdom of God is like this. The kingdom of God is like that. You must be born again if you're going to see the kingdom. You must be born of water and the spirit if you're going to enter the kingdom. The kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom. But yet still, his 
followers, the closest ones to him, still didn't get it. Even after his resurrection, they still were asking questions in Acts chapter 1, verse 6. So when they had come together, they asked him, they asked Jesus. Now, he's already been resurrected from the dead. He said, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, is it not for, it's not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by, what, his own authority? But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He said, don't you worry about when all this is going to take place. You just get power and go do what I said to do. You just follow me. You just do what I'm going to take care of this thing. I'm king over this spiritual realm. I'm the king. I'm the sovereign. I'm taking care of things. Me and the Father, we got it all figured out here. The Holy Spirit's going to come, and he's going to help you out until such and such a time. So if Jesus is king, we believe he is king. So what kind of king is he, folks? That's number two, if you're taking notes. What kind of king is Jesus? Because sometimes we got this idea of corrupt king. Kings are always bad. They, they tax people. They conquer people. But Jesus has a certain character. He has the character of God. As a matter of fact, Jesus said to those listening to him, he said, you know what? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So if you want to know who Father God is like, you just need to know Jesus. And that's for us today. You want to know, you want to know what Father God is all about? You want to know how the Father is Study the life of Jesus because they are identical to one another. They've got the same character. I, I love, uh, last night as I was going over this, I just jotted down Psalm 24. And I just love this because it just shows me Jesus of exactly how he is. It says, who is this king of glory? It's a question. The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. And then it goes on a few verses later and says, who is the King of glory, the Lord Almighty. He is the King of glory. His character emanates from him. He is loving. He is loving and he is kind. He operates in a different way than the world. He has all authority, but yet he has all love because God is love. He is just in his judgment. He judges justly. We want God to judge like we judge. I've heard people for so many years say what they thought God ought to do. And I'm in that, in that too. God, if, if you loved me, you would hate him. Lord, if you love me, Lord, why don't you kill him? I did pray that one time. And thank God, God didn't turn and say, well, hey, what you meet out to others, let me meet out to you. He could have killed me. Jesus is not always going to judge like you judge. He's different a lot of times than us. We're learning from him. He doesn't learn from us. I'm glad he's not learning from me because the world is filled with greed and power and somehow or another we feel like our king ought to work with greed and power. He's caring. He's an intercessor. He prays for you. You know, one good thing about it is God is praying for you right now. Jesus Christ is interceding for his church right now. He's faithful. Second Timothy says that if we're unfaithful, he remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. He's not moved by us. We should be moved by him. He's wise. He's so wise, folks. As a matter of fact, he has wisdom in 1 Corinthians 1.30. It says, and because of him, you are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. He is the principal thing. 
Proverbs says wisdom is the principal thing. Jesus is the principal thing. But not only that, he's sovereign. Now let me just camp out for just a moment on this thing of sovereignty. Let's put away all of our understanding about what we've been taught about everything and how proud and great we are. And let's talk about sovereign. He is the omni-God. He's omnipresent. He's omnipowerful. He's omni-knowing. All-knowing. All-powerful. All-present. Everywhere at the same time. Knowing everything at the same time. Hearing every prayer at the same time. Knowing every thought of every person who's ever lived, who ever will live. Knowing your thoughts right now. Understanding where you are. Knowing your shortcomings. Knowing your strength, your weaknesses. Knowing your plans, what you're plotting. Knowing the good and the evil about all people. He's sovereign. He does what he wants, when he wants, how he wants, with who he wants, for as long as he wants. He raises up one and he puts down another. Promotion comes from the north. It doesn't come from anybody on earth. God raises up somebody who doesn't seem to be as good as others, but he raises them up and he uses them. And then other people who seem so qualified and so intelligent or so socially right or, or have the finances or whatever or good looking, he takes the cheerleader and he makes her maybe not as much as what maybe the little girl who always was in the corner at school. He's sovereign. You put a woman over a man, a man over a woman, he'll take a group and he'll exalt them when they look like they shouldn't be exalted. Maybe they should be debased. They're no good, God. You ought to, but he takes the foolish things of the world and he confounds the wise. I mean, that's what he does. That's why I love him. That's why it's so great. That's why, you know, you can't get all ready and all educated and everything to come to God. You'll come to God just like he is and he will exalt you in due time. That's what God does. That's what Jesus does. That's what the sovereign, absolute authority and power over a realm what the king does. Colossians 1.16. For by him all things were created in heaven and earth. I love this. Visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things hold together. You want to know why your life is still together? Because Jesus is holding you together. We are fragmented, broken people in all kind of pieces, but somehow or another he takes the glue of the Holy Spirit and somehow or another he does a miracle and he puts together this broken vessel that's able to hold the presence of God. Jesus is king. He's preeminent. He is the king of glory. Who is this king? Strong in battle. Open up your gates, the Bible says, and let the king of glory come in. <laughs> Ooh. I could go on old style, but I'll keep moving here. <laughs> so because he's king, how do we serve him now? How are we supposed to serve Jesus now? I mean, really? Well, you know, there's, there's uncomfortable truth that's in the room right now. Let me just expose it, okay? There are only two groups of people in this room right now. There are a group of people who are in the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of the devil. That's right. Jesus talked about the kingdom of the devil. And then there are people who are in the kingdom of God. We would think that in the church on a Sunday morning, everybody would be like in the kingdom of God, but it's not so. There are these two kingdoms. They're diametrically opposed to one another. And when we surrender our hearts 
to Jesus, wonderful things happen. I, I just love that song, Jordan, that you just sang. And I, I don't think it was on the list, maybe so. I don't know, but, but I never want to go back to my old life. My God, that just, man, it's like the Holy Ghost just got a, just just gripped me and just affirmed to me that I never want to go back into the other kingdom. Even if I was a king in that king, I never want to go back to that kingdom. Colossians 1.13 says, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness, from the kingdom of darkness, from the kingdom of the devil, and has translated us, you understand, or transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Now, this is so important. You have to hear this. And when a person repents of their sin, confesses their sin to God, and chooses to follow Jesus Christ and to, to, to cash in, so to speak, on his redemptive work at the cross, we become a new creation. And we become a new creation. Watch this. Our citizenship has changed. Listen to this, folks. We're no longer part of that other kingdom. We're in a brand new kingdom, and now we're pilgrims in in the kingdom of God, but yet we're walking through like darkness, if you know what I talk about. The world is dark. We live on this earth. We haven't been translated into heaven yet, although spiritually speaking, we have. And so we're walking through this earth as pilgrims. Our citizenship has changed. Our allegiance, because if your citizenship changes, your allegiance changes. Tom Brady, his whole career was a patriot. Now he is a buccaneer. I think he kind of went from the kingdom of God to the, oh, anyway. I'm not sure about that. He was so sad Sunday. But anyway, it's the same thing. He was once a patriot. He, was, he once knew the playbook of the patriots. He lived underneath the coach, Belichick, that sweet guy, living on, it's almost like a, and, and now he is a Tampa Bay Buccaneer and his playbook is different and his coach is different and he's in a different uniform and he's in a different city. And that's what happens to a believer when they, a person, when they become a believer, they change their citizenship and they change their allegiance. If Tom Brady could play the Patriots today, he would want to whoop them good. And when our allegiance changes, our standards and our desires change. I, we have a positional change. We live according to the standards of King Jesus now. It's wonderful. Not according to the power of the prince of the air of this world system. Because with Adam and Eve sin, a lot of things happen. And one thing that happened is that they transfer all authority that God had given them they transferred it to the devil. He took control of it. That's why he could tell Jesus, hey, you know what? Come up on this mountain. See all these kingdoms? I'll give them to you if you just bow down to me. And that's why when Jesus died and, and went into the grave, he took the keys of hell and death. He took the keys, the authority, back for the kingdom of God. I mean, this is real. You just read your Bible. You got to read the whole Bible, though, in order to get it. You won't get this from one verse popped up on your phone. It probably won't get that, but... Now watch this. Now don't forget this. Let this be branded on your mind right now. As citizens of heaven, our constitution is the word of God. Yeah, you need to clap for that. Might also say, might also add and just kind of tread lightly that 
the American Constitution is not God-breathed. All Scripture is God-breathed and profitable for reproof, correction, and doctrine and how to live righteously. When our citizenship changed, everything about us changed. So to sum it up, how do we serve him? We serve him faithfully. We serve Jesus faithfully. We serve him with a heavenly mind. We have to get out of the earthly mind at all times. We've got to get up into heaven. We've got to set our affections on the things above. We need to think with a heavenly mindset. It'll set you free when you ascend from this earth in your, in your thought life and you look at the things that are pure and holy and righteous instead of feeding yourself on the things that are manipulative and intimidating and dominating. We give him undivided devotion and submission to his authority. Can I say something about authority, folks? Listen to me, church. Authority is under attack. Every form of authority is under attack. It really began in the 60s. For you who are my age, you know what I'm talking about. There was a revolution, authority. There's no authority in the family. So many parents don't even have authority over their children. There's no authority in schools. Teachers and, and administrators can do hardly anything at all. Their hands are tied. There's, 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 look, authority is under attack in our government, in, in society as a whole. Everything's questioned. I mean, you can't say anything. You can't do anything. Everything is questioned. And I'm not talking about, hey, what about it? I'm talking about, bam. But you know what's sad? Even all the authority in the church is questioned. Pastors used to be the man of God who would stand up and speak of the oracles of God, instruct, lead the congregations. And now pastors are looked at with disdain, with suspicion. What if that one went bad? What about my pastor? Pastor Jordan, you feel it too. You know what I'm talking about. I mean, we feel this thing moving and grooving. And I tell you what, it's not from God. You've got to serve somebody. I've decided that I'm going to be a submitted individual. I've always had a leader. I still have leaders. And I'm just going to submit to authority. Now, I'm not going to follow somebody who tries to make me do something illegal, immoral, unscriptural. We're not going to do that. That's, you know. But you're not going to get that in your church. The staff of this church, I, I vouch for them. They're just great guys and great gals just seeking to do the will of God. Just want to follow Jesus. I suppose we could say we need to measure our lives according to the lens of the gospel. So then how will we serve Jesus as king when he returns? Is there any difference between how we serve him now with faithfulness and submission to his authority? Well, when he comes back, how's it going to be? I love this verse, Romans chapter 14, verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. It's nothing physical, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is made up of righteous people. Christ makes a sinner righteous. That's it. There's no other way. Isn't that great? It's free. You can be made righteous when you connect to Christ with your whole heart. He gives peace. He gives perfect peace knowing that our future is secure. You see, if I know that my future is secure, I'm talking about when he comes with the saints in glory that I'm going to be there and it's going to be, if I've got that settled, then everything else, just find its way, man. Life is not always fair. It doesn't always work the way we think it should work. But the end is when we win. And then there's joy. 
Joy knowing that we love and accept it. Knowing that he has overcome for us. I mean, what more joy do you want? When, when I stand and we worship, I, I, I'm just so thankful. I mean, it's like, this is still a miracle. 41 years later, it's, it's, it, this is still a miracle, Jesus. I mean, I'm in you, you in me. You're my king. Come on. No other king would leave their throne. Come on. Nobody, no, no other king would leave their throne and, and become one of us. How do we serve him? The same way. There's no difference. And you know, sometimes we think, oh, well, you know, I'm serving him one way now, you know, maybe half-hearted, kind of, oh, well, oh, um. But then when, when he comes, all of a sudden, I'm going to be like. Watch what Philippians 2 says. Some of the most powerful scripture in all of the word of God. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, or because of all this, because what we just read, therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that in the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Man, come on now. That's a king. Every tongue. Every tongue, every one of your tongues, every one of your knees are going to bow. Every one of our tongues are going to confess. Every person that mocks God, mocks the church. Everybody that's intimidating, manipulating, dominating. Every greedy person, every honorable person, every righteous person because of the blood of Jesus, they're going to bow their knee to Jesus. You know what? And if we think for some reason that we will not bow our knee now, but just right at the last very moment... We're going to bow our knee. I would suggest that we go ahead and bow our knee right now. Come on now. Even if you halfway understand why you're bowing your knee. Because watch what's going to happen. Revelations 19, 11. John, the apostle. By the way, the book of Revelation is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Not some deep end time thing. It is the revelation of Jesus Christ as king. Watch this. Then I saw heaven open, John says, and behold, a white horse. You say, what's the interpretation of that? A white horse. <laughs> That's what it is. The one sitting on it is called faithful. He's faithful and true. And in righteousness, he judges. He judges and he makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire. And on his head are many diadems, are many crowns. He's got a bunch of crowns all over his head. I want you to picture this. He's on a white horse. His eyes are like fire. He's got a lot of crowns on his head. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. This is for all the people who think they know everything about Jesus. He's got a name that nobody knows but him. I don't know about you, but that excites me. It's like, hallelujah, man, what is that name? I wonder what that name is. 
Maybe he's going to tell me in eternity. Maybe he's not ever going to tell you in eternity. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood. And the name by which he is called is the word of God. John chapter one, verse one, in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was with God in the beginning. He is the word of God. And the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. And he will rule with a rod of iron. Unquestionable rule. Stable rule. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God, the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written. King of kings and Lord of every single solitary Lord. This is the king that we serve. There'll never be another manger in a cave in Bethlehem with a baby born in a trough. There'll never be another carpenter's son making tables for a living. There'll never be another Calvary with a cross stuck in it with a Savior nailed to it. There'll never be another grave where a dead God is laid. He's not coming back as a small infant or a suffering Savior. He is coming back and putting his feet on the earth that he created and holds together as a conquering, warring, loving, just king and judge. And that's who we serve. He deserves all of the praise and all of the glory. He is the only one that matters anymore. He said, what is my part in this? Here's your part. Joshua said this when he was about finished ruling. He said, you know, today choose who you will serve. If you're going to serve the gods of the world of the Amorites, then go serve them. But as far as me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Come on now. So the question right now is, what are you going to do? Every one of you now is going to be held accountable. Is your knee going to bend? Is your mouth going to confess today that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father? Let's bow our heads together, if you don't mind, for just a moment. Even you at home, right there in your couch, forget about the kids, forget about the dog, forget about everything, just bow your head. Because today, you have to make a decision whether or not you're going to serve the king. Some of you already have. If so, it never hurts to just say, Jesus, I just want to let you know that I'm still committed to you. Matter of fact, you can just go do that right now. Let it come out of your mouth. Let your ears hear with your mouth says, Lord, I just love you. I love you, Lord. I thank you for the life you've given me. I thank you 
for saving me. I thank you that, God, you've kept me all these days, months, or even years. Some of you, it's decades. I thank you for that, Lord. I never want to go back to my old life. I never want to serve the kingdom of darkness, God. I'm a new citizen. I've got everything new. You've made all things new to me, God. Just go ahead and thank him from the bottom of your heart right now that he could have judged you and killed you, but instead he saved you. What mercy is that shown by a benevolent king? But then for others of you in this room, you may never have bowed your knee to Jesus. And you're trying to figure out intellectually, how do you do that? Well, if I, if I just know a little more, if I just clean up a little more, if I just get my life good enough to come to God, and can I help you? You never can do that. When Jan and I came to Jesus one night, many, many years ago, we just said, here we are. We're a mess. We're giving you ourselves. I love it that Jesus will take a messed up life and make it right. No, we weren't messed up. We had, we had our kid. You know, we had our house. We paid our bills. We went to work every day. We were decent citizens of America. But we were ungodly people, wicked in our hearts. So if you're in this room right now, if you're at your home right now, if you're just sitting there and, and the Holy Spirit is convicting you and telling you now's your day, now's your time, I'm going to pray with you. It's very simple. God already knows your heart. Just say something like this. Just come on, just open up your heart. Say, Father in heaven, you know everything about me. And you know that I haven't served you, that God, I've been in the kingdom of darkness. And I'm asking you right now to forgive me of my sin that has separated me from you. And I'm asking you, Lord God, to translate me, transfer me into the kingdom of the love of Jesus. I want to be a new person. I want to serve you. I'm going to need you to help me, Lord. I don't know anything about you. But today, I bow my knee and I confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I thank you for hearing me and for saving me today. In Jesus' name. And everybody in the house said amen. And amen. Come on, Pastor Jordan. I want to let you guys know before we kind of move on that uh, uh, my dad is 68 years old today. Should I say 68 years young? 68 years young. <laughs> so, um, and, and in case you don't know, uh, he was a lead pastor here from 1989 up until 2017. 28 years, is that right? Uh, I never add that up right, but 28 years. And uh, I've, uh, I've watched and listened to him preach the gospel uh, as long as I can literally remember and uh, not only preach it, but live it. And, uh, and, and so I know that we have a lot of new people. And I think it's always important for you to know uh, the legacy of Northwood Church and, and know that you're, you're, you're listening to someone that didn't just uh, kind of, what, fall off the truck yesterday and decide, you know what I'm saying? But somebody who has uh, literally raised up a church and, uh, and, and, and given his life uh, for the cause of Christ. And so I want to pray for my dad and, uh, and bless him. Come on. God, we thank you. Uh, for Van the Cody, God, for the call upon his life, Jesus, that he has been faithful to for so long. God, for the anointing that you've given him. And God, for, the, uh, for now the grandpa anointing in the house. So God, we pray that you bless him. God, that you keep him healthy and strong. 
God, that you would continue to reveal yourself to him in new and fresh ways. Uh, And God, we thank you for his legacy. We thank you for his life. We love him and bless him in Jesus' name. Come on, amen. Come on. Look, today, if you said that prayer, you made a decision to follow Jesus, uh, this is not just a a gathering of people on a Sunday morning. Uh, This is a family. This is a family. And so as a, as a person who has made a decision to follow Jesus, I don't know what, like, what's going through your mind and your heart, what happened this week, but you came here today, you're watching online, and I know that there's always people who are hungry, that God is literally drawing people to himself. And so today I believe that some of you, you made a first-time decision, or maybe it's the 50th-time decision. Today you, you made a fresh commitment to God. Uh, we want to come alongside you and help you in that decision. And we don't want to just you know slap a high five and then send you on your way. Uh, we believe that as a family, like a newborn baby, we want to come alongside you and help you in that. So this is the way that we do that here at Northwood Church, is that uh, for those of you in the room, you can look in the seat pocket right in front of you in the chair. You'll see a blue card there. It's a, it's a what's next card. And if you will fill out that card, and as soon as the service is done, take it to the back of the room. We've got a couple back there who would love to connect with you and, uh, and take that card from you, answer any questions that you have. And we're gonna reach out to you this week and give you some next steps and what it means to follow Jesus. Uh, every single one of us in this room uh, who have made a decision to follow Jesus, we are followers of Christ. And so there are next steps that we take as followers of Christ to grow in our faith and then eventually to, to help other people know Christ, right? That, like that's, the, that's what we're doing. That's what we're a part of. And so we want to help you in that journey, kind of get things started on the right foot. And also if you're watching online or you can go to northwood.church slash next steps and fill out the card there and we'll do the same thing, reach out to you. Um, I want to let you know two things. And then I've got a couple of announcements right before we leave. Number one is this, is that we have a prayer team at the front of the room today. If you feel comfortable and you need prayer, maybe something was talked about today that stirred up some things in your life, or you need somebody not connected to the situation to agree with with you in prayer. We believe that prayer works, that prayer is a real thing. It's not a figment of our imagination. Come on, because of Jesus, we are praying to God through through Jesus. And so, so come up to the front and get prayer after the service. Also want to remind you that every single week we give. Uh, we give of our time, our talents, and our treasures, and our money. And so here at Northwood Church, we look at that as an act of worship. It's not something that we have to do. It's something that we get to do because guess what? What we have was given to us by God in the first place. And so uh, so the money here at Northwood Church goes to, of course, keeping the lights on or blinking or whatever they're doing back here as we're talking. I see <laughs> got to get that fixed. But uh, keep the lights on, yes, but more importantly, to advance the kingdom of God and advance the gospel throughout our local community, but also the world. So with that, a couple of really important things. Next week, we are starting the, a new month. And so it's a new part of the series. It's what do you believe about the Holy Spirit? All right, and so we're gonna talk about the spirit. We're gonna talk about the spiritual realm. Really excited about next week's uh, message. Some of you are, are, are gonna, gonna be like this. You know, and uh, I might be like that, all right? There's some crazy stuff going on, man, but we're gonna po- talk about the spiritual realm. And so I want you to, uh, to tune in and watch and, and show up, and we're gonna talk about that. Also, this coming Friday night, there's something very special that we do as a church. Uh, yeah, once a year or so, we are having a night of worship, all right? Now, let me explain this to you, okay? Literally, we're gonna come together and we're gonna worship. 
<laughs> all right? All right, uh, no, no hidden gimmicks. We're gonna come together as the body of Christ and worship Jesus. But given what's going on with COVID, we wanna make sure that we have enough space for everybody to kind of spread out and, and uh, for everybody to feel comfortable. So we have limited seating, but you gotta sign up. All right, you gotta sign up, northwood.church slash, I'm assuming night of worship. No? N-O-W, is it behind me? There it is, right there, right there. N-O-W, go there, sign up, and uh, it's, it's for ages five and up, and uh, so it's gonna be a great time. I'm, I'm, <clears throat> I'll just let you know, a few weeks ago, I was uh, praying and I was like, God, you know, everything that's going on, what's something that we can do as a church? And immediately it was like, worship. Is worship, and so this isn't um, this isn't like an event. All right, it is, it is an event, but it's literally a time for us to come together and worship together. Come on, we need healing. Come on, we need hope. We need to set our eyes on Jesus, and so for about an hour and a half or so, or so. We're gonna to come together and worship Jesus. So I wanna invite you, I wanna encourage you to come this Friday night. Sign up, northwood.church slash N-O-W, all right? Come on, let's stand up. I wanna pray for you one last time as we are getting sent out today. Uh, let's go ahead and pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you that we're a part of your kingdom. God, that we have been redeemed and restored, pulled out of the kingdom of darkness and placed in the kingdom of light. God, I pray that this week you would anoint us and help us to go and live out the call that you have on our lives. Jesus being light in dark places. God, last but not least, we pray for a W tonight for the saints. God, we just need something special to happen. It's a tough time in the state of Louisiana and God, we need... We need a W. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on. Y'all have a good week. See y'all later on.